I really do believe that how we perceive ourselves is very detrimental to our health and well-being and also how we then operate and run businesses. Um, and this compassion, this self-awareness, um, if we're able to find that, it ultimately starts to define the values that we hold. And because of it, it determines the nature of the problems in our lives that we're willing to deal with. Um, into something that you know we start to have boundaries with um, because ultimately those problems that we choose to solve whether it's through our businesses or our personal life impacts that overall quality of life for us hello and welcome to umicast a podcast about business and entrepreneurship at umi we make it easier for businesses to do more and go further by finding and packaging the best information expertise in finance so you can make better business decisions more quickly this conversation is with the tsunami of passion that is Lizzie Hodcroft. Lizzie is an entrepreneur, public speaker, and wellbeing consultant who has made a huge impact in the UK startup community since founding her first business in 2017. People might know Lizzie for her 2018 Dragon's Den appearance, where she pitched her condiments business, the sweet beat to the panel of investors, and also her 2019 TEDx speech, where she opened up about the mental health journey she's been on and how by practicing self-acceptance, self-compassion, and trying to live a purposeful life, she's been able to overcome some of those challenges. Lizzie was also the co-founder and CEO of the mental health and resilience training app, Discover Health, which she secured significant funding for and was well on her way to scaling up before creative differences with her co-founder caused the business to be wound up earlier this year. So in this podcast, we talked to Lizzie about how starting a business actually helped her overcome some of her mental health battles, entrepreneurship as self-discovery, as she likes to call it. Uh, how she navigated the pandemic running Discover uh, and how she ultimately overcame the disappointment when it had to be dissolved. Uh, there's also tons of advice for anyone who is looking to increase their self-confidence, uh, find balance in their life and, and keep moving forward when faced with setbacks. So I hope you enjoy this one with the eloquent and inspirational Lizzie Hodcroft. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Lizzie. Uh, ever since we started talking about doing this series on entrepreneurship, uh, I just knew that you were someone that we kind of like had to profile. So uh, not just because, you know, your story is so compelling, but I think, you know, you talk about being an entrepreneur in a way that really resonates with a lot of people. Um, you know, often it's the whole, you know, you've got to be ruthless in business and like dominate people and put yourself first. But I think you talk about things like sort of, kindness and compassion and you know not being afraid to show vulnerability and ask for help and I, I think those things are actually you know even more important when you're starting out in business uh, so yeah I, I was really excited to to obviously get you on um but I think we'll, we'll, we'll kind of get into all that but yeah sounds good <laughs> yeah yeah I think the, the first thing I wanted you to talk about was just kind of you know who you are where you where you come from and and, and maybe some of the, the challenges that you faced as well for people who might not have heard your amazing story before. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, obviously for those who don't know, I'm, I'm Lizzie Hodcroft. I, um, I was born in Scotland, although it doesn't really sound like it, uh, but I grew up in Texas and I moved over to the UK when I just turned 18. So I've been here for, oh God, quick maths, probably about 14, 15 years now. Um, and, you know, for me growing up, if you would have said, you know, you will start a couple of businesses, you'll do public speaking, I, I probably just would have been like, no way, no chance in hell. Um, but I think especially with the hindsight looking back now, I mean, my biggest fear in life has always been that I would never find my passion. I'd never find kind of my niche in life or that drive, that feeling that you know what you're doing, where you're going, and you're doing the right thing in the moment. Um, and for me, I started my battle with my own mental health problems at kind of around the age 14. And since then, I had been in hospital for multiple suicide attempts. Um, I was admitted to psychiatric hospitals. I spent time in eating disorder clinics. I basically self-harmed, self-medicated, um, and I've spent five months in rehab. And certainly at you know a few points in my life, I think all outcomes pointed to one of three things, and that was kind of homeless, 
in prison or dead. Um, and to be honest, there are times where I look back now and I'm still quite shocked that um, my choices hadn't caught up on me <laughs> uh, before I was able to actually sort of make a change. And I think what really was the pinnacle change for me was when I kind of fell into starting my own business. And it was really small at first, you know, it was just markets and street food. It wasn't you know, this crazy dream of creating the next Amazon or something amazing in fintech or whatever it may be for some people. It was just, I wanted to do something where I was a bit more in control and I wanted to do something where I could just sort of work on my own craft. And that was the first time that I realized that number one, I had some sort of value. What I was doing, people enjoyed, they wanted to spend their hard-earned cash on. And beyond that, it was the first time that I was introduced to kind of the amazing, resilient, passionate, driven people that are within the networks of the entrepreneurship community. And that was also like quite a change for me. I mean, to be surrounded by all of these people that want to change the world, that want to make a difference, that have the, the confidence to do that was really a big change in my own viewpoint. And um, they were inspiring. And there's no way that you can be around people like that and not start to pick up some of those qualities, some of that confidence. Mm, yeah. And I mean, there's so much to... To, to kind of unpack there, Lizzie, but I, I think something that that you that you've said there in terms of how starting a business helped you kind of overcome some of those mental health struggles, and I know you've talked about it previously as being kind of like entrepreneurship as self discovery, and just how how kind of yeah how important do you think starting a business and, and being an entrepreneur has been in terms of just a very basic level like keeping you on this planet, you know, in a way. Well, I think it's been massive, to be honest. I think that had I not stumbled in to kind of this entrepreneurship uh, chapter in my life, I think that there's a very real um, chance that I could still be either just really, really still struggling or, you know, maybe have become victim to my own battles um, because a lot of my own struggles was also very much in sort of self-worth and self-confidence and being able to have to be vulnerable, to have to take risks, to have to try things and, you know, do it over and over again, even if you keep getting it wrong and having to, to fight for what you believe in within your business also helped me learn how to fight for those things within myself and my own personal life. And that, that, those skills, those life skills that I learned from starting a business, um, it really reflected into to how I then took on things on a personal level. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's interesting, Lizzie, because, you know, starting a business can be quite lonely, you know, emotionally like challenging and, and maybe not the thing that you would kind of prescribe to someone who's struggling with mental illness, you know, but like for you, it's been the saving grace. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can definitely see how, you know, and even I have probably said at some point, you know, if you're going to start a business, you need to have that confidence. You need to have that resilience and that grit. And weirdly though, I think that a lot of people that do go through hardships in their life, it does give them a certain amount of grit and resilience that allows them to take those risks. Um, but also, I think for me, I started to become more confident in my foundations. So for instance, like my little world behind closed doors at home with my husband and my dog and my cat, that is very much the most important thing to me. And this is a constant that I know I'm able to rely on. And because I have this strong anchor um, and because I've come from quite bleak situations in my past with my mental health issues, I kind of got to a point where I felt like no matter what happens now, I can't lose. And that's really powerful. But also, I think, you know, you start to do these things that I never even imagined myself doing. So it just kind of became... I don't know. I think in a weird way, the naivety of it all was also a strength for me because I couldn't have such a big fear of everything if I didn't realize that all these things could go wrong. Yeah. And that that in itself was probably something that gave me a bit of an edge. Yeah. 
And I guess you were probably thinking, well, what could happen to me in, in business that hasn't already happened to me in my own life? You know, like you say, you've like adversity wasn't something that was new to you when you started your first business, was it really? Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong, especially in the early days of the Sweet Beat, you know, I did go through quite a tough time because I went through that transition of how do I separate myself from my own business? And how do I make sure that even if my business isn't maybe doing what I would like it to be doing, that I'm not reflecting that back on me as the person and feeling as though I'm just a failure all over again. And, you know, why did I bother? And, you know, was I kidding myself this whole time? And that's a really tough transition to go through. But I think that, you know, over time, and especially with some really good help from people that were further ahead in the journey than me, you know, big shout out to, to Pete Southern of Clockwork Espresso. He had always been there for me and, and was there to listen. And, and, you know, I was able to surround myself with people that also had such a strong belief in what I was doing and who I was as a person. And that was really helpful to call to when I was having those moments of self-doubt. I was having those moments of, you know, well, what am I doing here? Um, so it's certainly not all easy. And I certainly didn't always come out the other side thinking I can do this. I'm, you know, more than capable and, you know, how can it be worse than what I've been through? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that having that network and those people there that could believe in me when I didn't was also a big factor. Yeah. You mentioned the the sweet beat there, which was uh, obviously your, your, your first, your first business that you're known for and and was the business that you pitched on on Dragon's Den, wasn't it? So, <laughs> yep. I mean, I, I imagine that probably feels like a lifetime ago, but it was only 20, 2018. So how did that kind of opportunity come about and, and, and how do you kind of reflect on it now? It does seem like a lifetime ago. I mean, honestly, it seems like it was, you know, over 10 years ago, really, if I was to try and put a number on it. Um, so it came around, um, it was kind of something that I sought out. I knew that, um, they had been contacting a few different people around the NatWest Business Hub to see whether anyone was interested. And so I decided to kind of put myself out there. And um, I, I mean, it's a really long process. First, you go through sort of convincing them that your business is, you know, worth putting on the show. And then you go through this crazy amount of due diligence, pretty much like if you were going to go for, you know, venture capital investment. Um, And then, you know, you just kind of wait until you're called up and you kind of have to be ready at any time to go and do your three minute pitch. Um, And it was, you know, definitely one of the most nerve wracking things I think I've ever done in my life. I was definitely like shaking and, you know, you get there at like 630 in the morning, you set up your table, the producer comes around and lets you know whether it's worthy or not. And everything gets glued down to the table. And then basically you do a couple of interviews, a bit of makeup, and then you just wait. And so you are waiting. I think it wasn't until the afternoon that I finally got to pitch. And that whole time you are still feeling that adrenaline rush. And so by the time that the whole thing was over, man, I was exhausted, (laughs) absolutely exhausted. Um, And of course it was disappointing because I didn't get the investment, but I think what was really nice was the comments that came from it. And I certainly didn't embarrass myself and they certainly gave me that confidence. And, you know, we think that you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. You have all those qualities. Um, And I think maybe they just knew me a little bit better than maybe I understood myself at that point, because they did say, you know, we think that this is just the vehicle to get you to the next thing that you're going to do and make a success of. And that's exactly what I did. So, you know, it was it was great exposure. And it was, you know, if you can pitch in front of those dragons, you can pitch in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that's what a tough experience to go through. But it sounds almost, Lizzie, as if you kind of you just took action, you know, you, you just kind of stepped straight into that. And, and, you know, would that be some advice that you would give to, to other people as well, thinking about their kind of journey, just run, run into things head first and, and kind of 
because you learn by doing, don't you, at the end of the day? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, especially if you are a business that needs to create a strong presence and a strong brand, then making sure that you're taking every opportunity that you can, especially when it's some sort of opportunity to present or to pitch or to tell your story or to do a press release, then, you know, take those because, you know, a lot of people, I think, um, probably have an image of me being maybe more successful than I actually am simply because I'm able to get myself showing up in so many different places. <laughs> um, and because of that, and because people are just constantly seeing my name and my face or hearing about what I'm doing, I like this image of me becomes bigger than, than who I actually am. Right. Um, and, um, that's really helpful in a lot of ways. Uh, you do obviously have to be careful because there can come times where that becomes all you do and you're not working on your business and you're not getting the things done that matter. I mean, it's great winning awards. It's great being seen. But if you don't actually have anything of substance behind it, then, you know, there's no point. Um, and I think that, you know, you also don't want to burn yourself out and, and put too much of yourself out there constantly. But, you know, being able to recognize opportunities and to take initiative to make sure that those opportunities happen um, is definitely something that all entrepreneurs need to embrace uh, to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th I think they say, don't they, kind of 80% of doing anything is just, just showing up, isn't it? You know, and I think that's something that clearly throughout your kind of entrepreneurial journey you have just taken those opportunities when they've arisen which I, I think is is kind of good good advice for anyone isn't it um oh yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely. yeah. and uh, you know it can be tough sometimes you're wondering is it worth it or what opportunity do I take especially when they start to clash but you know you learn as time goes on which ones are right for you and which ones maybe you know aren't necessarily worth your effort okay okay uh, and so obviously after, after the sweet beat, you, you sold that business. And then is that when you started discover, which became minder, was that, that, is that the right sort of chronology there? Almost. Um, okay. So I did have a little overlap of the sweet beat and discover, um, but it was originally minder was the name okay. of it. Unfortunately, we got into a little bit of trademark trouble. Um, and just instead of fighting that, we decided we're just going to, totally changed the name um, and rebrand. So, so that's what we had to do. But um, yeah, I mean, Discover was a whirlwind. Uh, so that launched in 2018. Um, and essentially both myself and my co-founder at the time, we knew that we wanted to support better access for our mental health and, and well-being. Uh, it was really crazy to us that we could chat with somebody halfway across the world about Game of Thrones or some sort of niche topic um, but when it came to actually getting support for your mental health or talking to somebody about that, um, it was incredibly hard. You had to go see your GP. You would get put on a waiting list. You could wait up to 18 months. And, and even then it could only be an assessment. Um, and, you know, if you didn't get given what worked for you the first time around, then you had to go through the process all over again the second time around. Um, so we really wanted to find something that would help to address this, um, not in a clinical way. We knew that that was far beyond our um, sort of skill set and level. But if we could help with preventative care and we could help with people, especially getting support and advice from others who had been through something, then that could make a real big difference. And we wanted to make sure that that was also something that could be very bespoke and very tailored. And um, we did a huge amount of research to kind of put together our product. We gathered over 10,000 data points and um, we got a huge chunk of data from online surveys, but we also just spent about 12 months just talking to people. And um, we spoke to the organizations that we wanted to sell this to. We spoke to founders, we spoke to employees, those that were in NHS care for mental health, those that had previous access support, those that gave the support and everything in between. Um, and from this, we were able to get some really good data that we just wouldn't have got from just online surveys. And we discovered really clearly three key issues that we could try and address. Um, and that was that most people felt that the current offerings were very static. 
Um, a lot of them were unpersonalized. And beyond that, especially for those who had struggled previously, a lot of people found them patronizing. Um, so we were able to kind of understand our key drivers. And then from there, we were able to kind of create our product. And we got over... 300,000 pounds worth of funding through grants. Um, and we were lined up for a very significant investment, but unfortunately due to a co-founder disagreement, the company just couldn't survive. So we had to wind that up earlier this year. Um, and that was a really, really tough time for me. You know, six people lost their employment through this. And uh, that was just after a worldwide pandemic. So it was incredibly difficult, incredibly dark and, and just really hard to not only take on having to shut down a company that really... <laughs> through every other avenue should have been a complete success. And it was also really difficult to have to, you know, let people go and, and, and to have to navigate them through that really difficult situation. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the kind of purpose of that business, Lizzie, so, so tied up with, with, with you personally, you know, it support that I imagine that you wish you'd had access to when you were having a difficult time, whether it was over in the, the States or, or, or here, and and yeah, I mean it. It is, I guess it's some of some of that that you've mentioned. There's kind of an occupational hazard of being an entrepreneur. But when you're going through it at the time, I imagine it was quite difficult for you to to kind of accept that and and and, and move on from it. Oh yeah, and I mean you know you start to feel this guilt, um, not just you know, for yourself, because the business doesn't work, but for the people that work for you and have put in so much time and effort and, you know, believed in everything and, you know, was there to be there on the journey from start until wherever it finished, but also this guilt for the people that, you know, maybe we could have helped and we didn't. Um, now I have purchased all the assets out of uh, Discover. Um, so hopefully we can look to maybe do something else with it in the future. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely don't want to, I'm not going to let all of the support that we made, even if it's just the content that we created and stuff go to waste. Um, I definitely want to make sure that that's out there in the world for people to be able to access in one way or another. Yeah. So, so we haven't sort of seen the last of, of, of Discover or at least the, the kind of the, the purpose and the idea that it was based on it may be something that you kind of take forward in another guise in the future. Yes. And of course, all of that, Lizzie, is unfolding uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, isn't it, as well? Which I imagine, yeah, your plans in 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 sort of uh, January 2020 versus where you found yourself just a few months later were, were, were kind of very, very different. I just wonder how you kind of navigated that, you know, so this intense period that we've all been through. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was all right for us because, I mean, the, the issues and the cracks with Discover started uh, January this year. So we were kind of fine throughout 2020. Okay. And, and okay. we were also very lucky because as the lockdown got announced in March, we knew that our grant funding through Innovate UK was coming in April. So regardless uh, okay. of sales or how we move forward, we knew that in terms of working on our product and making sure that we were getting that done, that money was secured. And therefore we knew that we could pay ourselves, we could pay our employees and our suppliers and the people that we worked with and get that work done. So we were very lucky. Um, in terms ah, of right. Okay. Okay. Sorry. That's me getting the, that's me getting the time scales mixed up there. So yeah, I guess you, you were probably in quite a good position actually, Lizzie, going into the pandemic where you kind of pre-revenue or you're at that kind of seed stage where obviously there's a there's, there's a cash intensity to what you're doing and I imagine when you're trying to develop a new product or service but you're also able to access uh, quite a lot of like you say Innovate UK grants and various different sort of funding schemes and stuff like that so it, the timings there kind of worked out quite well would you say? Yes, they worked out extremely well. Um, to be honest, I couldn't really believe our, our luck. And, and that's exactly what it was. I mean, obviously, we had worked hard to get the grant secured, but for the grant to start just at that moment in time, uh, you know, it was a huge weight off our shoulders because, you know, one of our main plans for going out and getting people to be interested in what we were doing 
and potentially become a customer was to go out and speak to people, you know, uh, between me and my co-founder sharing our stories, sharing our insight and, and being able to talk that through face to face um, was something that we knew worked really, really well for us. And how that was going to work when everybody was stuck indoors was, you know, quite daunting. And then but then I also suppose, you know, we also had a lot more interest during that time because it was also something that companies became very, very aware of. And it became at the very forefront of one of the things that they could at least control for their staff during that time. And so a lot of companies that maybe had never even thought of a mental health strategy or well-being strategy beforehand were now all of a sudden okay, all of our employees are working from home. How do we support them? And how do we make sure that they're okay during this time? And so it also became this kind of like massive ball that just kept collecting and collecting to it because we had all these companies that wanted to talk. To each, to each other and, uh, you know, as well. And, and I think that's maybe one of the positives to have came out of the pandemic, Lizzie, is this kind of increased awareness of of mental health and well-being and 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 i think you know both from employers but also employees i don't think we'll will kind of put up with the same settlements that they maybe had previously if it wasn't you know like benefiting or at least um not sort of worsening their their well-being so that's do you think that's quite a positive to have came out of it well absolutely and we also learned a lot so we were doing a um kind of almost developing in time uh, with home group. So home group allowed us to basically use their staff as kind of a test bed. And one of the things that we switched to and really focused on, especially when the pandemic first hit and lockdown came into effect, was asking them what support they needed. You know, what is it right now that you need in order to make this even just that little bit easier for you to deal with? And so we were able to be very reactive um, and make sure that we were producing content and support that directly would have an impact on employees now within this most difficult of times. So we put together things like, you know, how to um, uh, cope with, you know, children at home during COVID, you know, how to um, deal with isolation, you know, all these little things that maybe wouldn't have seemed so important before were all of a sudden very, very important work-life balance, especially. Um, and we were able to work with our experts um, and make sure that we were delivering that content directly to the people that needed it during that time. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the reason I think, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, Lizzie, you've got such a bright future is because there is that sort of, um, that tailwind, uh, you know, kind of in support of, in support of what you've always been about, which is kind of, a, a, I guess, a, 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 a wellness approach to entrepreneurship. There's now also a kind of an industry momentum behind that as well. And, you know, I think it's always more difficult in the market where what you're about and what you're doing is is kind of at odds with changes in the market. I think that's where we, you know, people often struggle, but actually the direction you're moving in is very much in tune with, I think, these wider trends that the that, that businesses are thinking about. Well, absolutely. But I think it's also important to note that if you're not, it's it's also not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, to be honest, when we first started Minder, when we first started talking to people, and potential VCs about just our idea um, around sort of September 2018 time. And we still came across a lot of questions and a lot of, you know, we don't have any mental health issues or nobody's struggling or why do you think this is relevant? And, you know, what is the difference between preventative care? Do you guys think that you can solve, you know, really serious psychological disorders? Um, and we had to really explain ourselves. So it, I wouldn't say that we started with that tailwind. Um, it just happened that that momentum grew throughout the same time that we were trying to grow and create something. And because of that, we were just in the right place at the right time when we were going for things like the Innovate Ground and, and trying to get people like Home Group to support us. Yeah, yeah. I think you always whenever you start a new business and you are speaking to potential funders and things like that, you do always have to justify yourself really. I mean, I guess the idea can be as, as, as good as it is, but they're always going to be those understandably those kind of questions and, 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 
and that 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 doubt. So is it all the more important then, Lizzie, for you to kind of believe in yourself in, in those early days? Oh God, yes. Especially if you're going for investment. I mean, that's probably the easiest way to uh, destroy all confidence you've ever had in, you know, a really short amount of time. Uh, because essentially what you're doing is you're going with your baby, your passion, your, uh, you know, thing that that you really believe in and you're going around to meeting after meeting usually within quite quick succession in kind of a finite amount of time and you know unless you're just absolutely amazing which you know you still can be uh, but you're probably going to get a lot of no's you're going to get a lot of hard questions you're going to get even some people that will sometimes just say you're wasting your time or this isn't worth it or maybe you're on the wrong track and, you know, when you hear that day in, day out, and it's over and over and over again, you cannot help but start to question yourself. And, you know, there's definitely points where I was like, am I just crazy? Like, am I actually losing the plot here? Especially when you go into meetings and you think that it's gone really well. And then for whatever reason, they come back to you and they say, oh, no, actually, you know, we're not going to go ahead or we think that you still need to do this or that or whatever. You start to think like, oh, my goodness, did I read that room wrong? Can I actually communicate with humans or am I speaking another language? Um, so it, it, it's really tough. But I think that what what we probably should have done. Um, which we didn't end up doing until a bit later was looking at other ways that we could bring income into the company. Um, now we were the type of organization where we, there really wasn't a lot of sales that we could do before we got investment because we needed to build our product. But we did explore ways that we could uh, basically trial our, our content and kind of what we wanted to say and do within workshops so we could make a little bit of money for that. Um, but then also we started to look down the grant route. We started to look down, you know, different funding routes that weren't just your typical VC um, investment. And that's really where we were able to come into our own. Um, but also it allowed us to kind of stop relying so much on what all these other people were saying and start to really live by what we wanted to do based on the hard research that we had conducted. Yeah. I mean, what did you kind of make of, of the financial support that is available to startups because you know I, I think typically we think that there's, there's there's very little but if you've got an innovative sort of offering particularly I, I think it, it you know there can be quite a lot of options open to you but for you Lizzie was it one of those cases where you kind of don't know what you don't know until you realize that there's this this funding available well, I think it is, but I also think, you know, the grant process, especially if you're going for an innovate grant, it is not like a, well, I'll just fill in these questions and send it off and see what happens process. You know, there is a lot of consideration and a lot of time and effort that has to go into it. And, you know, even then they're highly competitive. So, you know, if you're the kind of person who is super busy in your business and, you know, needs money yesterday, then the grant process is probably going to look a little too slow and clunky for you. Um, and to be honest, it might not be the right answer, because even once we found out that we were awarded the grant in December 20, sorry, no, in January 2020, we didn't get the actual grant money until the April. Mm, so, okay. I mean, it, it's a, and I think we submitted our application in the October, 2019. So it's a, it's a really long process. Um, but I think what helped Emma and I is that we kept ourselves really, really lean. We made sure that we were cutting out any costs that didn't need to be there. And um, we basically kind of went into sort of a hibernation mode to a certain extent. We kept ourselves relevant. We kept ourselves out there. And we kept doing our research. But in terms of actually starting to invest in the business to build it, we held that back because we wanted to make sure that we could survive for as long as possible and, you know, not have to close the doors until every single avenue of potential funding sources was completely done. Yeah. I mean, you hear so much, Lizzie, about, you know, the proportion of, of new businesses that fail in the first year. And I think, what did you have to sacrifice in some ways to ensure that you made it through that period? I mean, you hear you hear of founders not, not paying themselves for, for sort of six months because, you know, 
when you start on a new business, it, it is just, you know, the, I mean, I spoke to uh, Johnny Grubin for the previous podcast and he said the whole world's against you. And I imagine it, it probably does feel a little bit like that. Yeah, it certainly can. I mean, we didn't pay ourselves for an entire year. You know, um, we, we didn't have any money coming from the business. Um, I was doing uh, my public speaking and things like that on the side. I also have a little um, rental flat that helped me to kind of have a bit of income. Um, Emma was doing her sort of self-employed work with building websites and stuff like that for other customers. So we were juggling, you know, a way to make money and uh, our startup all at the same time. Um, but we made sure that we, you know, continued to prioritize the startup. Um, but yeah, it is hard. And at some point you think, you know, it's been 10, 11 months now and we haven't got any funding and we've talked to so many people and we've, you know, been to so many places. And, you know, one of the questions that always comes up is where is that fine line between grit, resilience and dedication and just being plain stupid, you know? And ultimately, I think, you know, the only thing that defines that line is outcome. And you don't know that until it happens, because, of course, when things go well, it's seen as grit, determination, resilience. Um, and if things go really terrible, then you just think you were stupid for holding on to that idea for so long. <laughs> Of course, of course. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the kind of public speaking and, and, and sort of um, coaching, which obviously is, is, I imagine, what you're spending quite a lot of your uh, time doing now. And I just want to kind of rewind a little bit to the um, the TEDx talk that you gave in in, in 2019, which was obviously brilliant. Um, and, you know, one of the things you mentioned is, it's kind of almost like a conversation with with the girl in the bath, which is like a like a like a younger a younger you. And I guess when you reflect on that that TEDx and being on on stage, yeah, has 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 that conversation changed with your younger self? I think yeah, it probably has. I think you know part of it's just maturity. I'm I'm getting older, and I think that with that you start to harden, I think, a little bit with your confidence and uh, are less malleable to what's happening on the outside. Um, but also, I think, I mean, I think there will always be a little bit of sadness when I think about like my younger self and talking to my younger self, because, you know, I did, I felt a lot of sadness during those times. And I think that you always no matter whether it's you or somebody else, you want to lift people up and, you know, nobody likes seeing somebody upset. But I, what I love about being able to do public speaking, especially when I get to talk about whatever I want, which is basically what I got to do for the, the TEDx talk, um, is, I don't know, for some reason, I find it so much easier going through that process in front of people than I do kind of trying to do it on my own. I, I think maybe there's some sort of validation with that. And, um, you know, I'm not, it, it's actually real when everyone else is involved. Um, but also it's very freeing and, and to then find out that people connect with that and they understand that and they've been there and they feel that way. And maybe I've helped to, you know, shed some light on maybe a few hardships for other people is really, really something special. Um, and I just get the biggest kick out of it. I really, really do. There's something just so pure and empowering about being willing to kind of almost get metaphorically undressed um in front of all these people and have them accept you and support you in that yeah i mean i, th I think that's why people connect with you so much lizzie because you know while while not everyone can obviously identify with with you know some of some of the the depths that you've experienced growing up i think everyone can can identify with that those periods of self-doubt and, and 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 being so critical about about yourself as well, you know, I, I, people always say, you know, the most important conversations that, that that you have are the ones that you have with yourself. And it, I mean, it almost sounds as if I mean, you needed to get on stage to have that conversation with yourself, Lizzie. So is it is it quite is it still quite difficult for you to to look back with and and and, and maybe have that kind of compassion? Um. I don't think it's necessarily difficult. I just feel like there's something about being able to share that those experiences for me with others that helps me to heal. It's a little bit like the more I say it, the more times that it's out there, the more that I let it go and the bigger environment I can let it go, the better. <laughs> 
the more I'm able to kind of um, some some kind of compartmentalize, but also digest and um, let go of whatever I was going through at that point in time. Yeah, yeah, and I, I guess now that you've you know been through everything that you've you've been through, and you've been through obviously obviously everything that you that you went through growing up and, and moving from the US to the UK and then starting all of these businesses and, and the public speaking and Dragon's Den and all these myriad other things. You know, I imagine balance has been quite difficult to find. Uh so you firstly kind of do you think you have that sort of sense of balance now at what at the sort of back end of 2021? And maybe for someone else who's struggling to find that 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 balance between you're putting everything into their work or their business and obviously looking after their kind of mental health and, and well-being. What what advice would you give to, to people who are maybe struggling with that? Yeah, so I would definitely say that I found a good balance now. And actually, I will have to say that probably the pandemic helped to contribute to that. Um, partly because I did a lot of reflection during the pandemic. I did a lot of podcasts um, sort of based on kind of releasing guilt um, you know, finding that kind of what works for you um, and being able to retreat back into sort of yourself and, and hold that self-compassion. Um, and I think, and I'm probably not alone. And of course, I also understand that I was very fortunate to be in a decent situation during my lockdown. You know, some people were in some pretty terrible places uh, with potentially really abusive or destructive people. And I was very fortunate to, you know, be in my flat with my dog and my fiance at the time and my cat and just kind of hunker down. Um, but I think what it really helped me to realize, or one of the things that was quite big for me is because I wasn't around people all the time and I didn't have people to always kind of reflect back my insecurities to, <laughs> I became more confident, weirdly, um, through that kind of time to myself. Um, and I also started to sort of rediscover and reconnect with both my voice and my values. And, you know, I really started to have that something that explained the why and the what and the how for each day. Um, and I really do believe that how we perceive ourselves is very detrimental to our health and well-being and also how we then operate and run businesses. Um, and this compassion, this self-awareness, um, if we're able to find that, it ultimately starts to define the values that we hold. And because of it, it determines the nature of the problems in our lives that we're willing to deal with um, into something that, you know, we start to have boundaries with um, because ultimately those problems that we choose to solve, whether it's through our businesses or our personal life, impacts that overall quality of life for us. Um, so, I mean, but I think the other thing in regards to kind of balance, especially if you're looking at work-life balance, is that... Um, you know, unless we really stick to boundaries that we set ourselves, we're never going to find this balance, right? So like anything in life, anything that you really want to achieve, you have to put effort into reap the rewards. So, you know, you want to have a Thursday off every week, fine, but make sure that that's actually what you want. And so it becomes something that you actually do and make everyone else around you aware of that, right? You're in control of the decision. You're the one that has to make that happen. I mean, I've always been the type of person that's wanted to take half an hour for lunch to do yoga and stuff like that. But every time I set an alarm, I turn it off and I just keep doing whatever I'm doing. So, I mean, I'm never going to get there. And I have just learned that because I won't put forth the effort, it can't be something that I truly, truly want or believe in, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I suppose just another thing that that's kind of helped me, um, which some people might think is a little depressing, uh, but I think really what I mean is, you know, I, I like to remember how small I am. Um, that phone call can wait. That email can wait. No one is sitting on the other side of a computer across the world or on the other end of the city with bated breath uh, waiting for you to respond, right? The world will keep moving with or without you. So you can allow yourself to take the time to think and to do things at your own play pace. And uh, this will really allow you to work better and, and be a lot more productive as well. Yeah, I think, you know, so many useful 
tips there, you know, t- take a step back when you're getting too busy, you know, don't be afraid to, to set boundaries. Don't worry if you have setbacks, you know I mean? Best, best made, uh, best laid intentions. You know, we all have these grand ideas, don't we, about our routines and our schedules and when we're going to eat and when we're going to work. And then it gets to Thursday afternoon and you totally fell off the wagon as it were. But I think, yeah, just, do you think not being afraid to start again as well, Lizzie? And, 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 kind of, you know, it comes back to your business journey. It's, it's like, yeah, okay. Right. That didn't particularly work, but I'm just going to do something. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm going to reinvent my business. And, and I think, yeah, it's easy to, to dwell on, on, on kind of what's gone wrong, but perhaps it's just about being prepared to start again, no matter what has, has happened. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And I think, you know, try and get yourself excited about what could happen as well. You know, obviously give yourself the time to grieve or to go through whatever process you need to go through when you have had to close a chapter on whatever it may be, or if you aren't necessarily fulfilling whatever tasks or or little things that you've set for yourself, you know, it's only natural for us as human beings to feel slightly disappointed. Or if you're having to shut down a business, you pretty much go through bereavement. Um, so, you know, make sure that you do give yourself the space and the time to process that because otherwise it makes it that much harder to move on, but also just try and get excited about what could or might happen, what opportunities are there and where this crazy thing called life just might lead you. And I think that that was something that helped me a huge amount when, you know, Discova was shutting down was, you know, I know that I still have a lot of strengths and I know that, you know, I'm very fortunate to have an amazing network and I love this space. And therefore what things become open to me is really excited. And let's just see where we go. Yeah. I think, you know, always remembering that the future is kind of full of possibilities is, is, is probably a, a good, a good way to go. Um, the last thing I wanted to come on to, Lizzie, before I let you go, was obviously it's it's World Mental Health Day on October the tenth, um, and this will be coming out obviously around that time. So you know, I just wanted to ask, what does that day mean to you, given you know everything you've been through, and and then everything that you've you know advised other uh, entrepreneurs and, and businesses throughout this um, journey that you've been on, and you know what does what, what does World Mental Health Day mean to you, and 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 why do you think that campaigns like these are important as well. So you're probably not going to like my answer. <laughs> okay. Okay. I I mean, obviously I think these campaigns are incredibly important, especially to help create conversation and reduce stigma. And, you know, there's also a lot of funds that can be raised for organizations over this time, but I have to admit that I think that creating days for things as serious as like mental health means that sometimes the message can get lost in marketing um, it also can be slightly patronizing for those that really do suffer with very serious psychological disorders. Um, so, you know, I think creating awareness and allowing the public to feel as though they're supported and can talk openly is amazing. But I do sometimes feel like it becomes a very surface attempt without too much substance behind it. You know, I, I want to see action, not a Instagram post. Yeah. So uh, th- these, these kind of awareness days should really just be the starting point for a conversation that doesn't end on October the Absolutely. 11th. Right. And, and it, we have to kind of, you know, I, th- I think it's, you know, it's actions speak louder than words, isn't it, Lizzie? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, again, I I understand the importance of it. I think having this awareness and especially the funds that can be raised during that time is, you know, very powerful. But as you said yourself, let's not end it there. Let's make sure that this is something ongoing. Yeah. And do do you think there is enough support as well for, I mean, particularly in the kind of startup community, you know what it's like to go through being a founder and, and, you know, all those conversations with investors that you think have gone really well, they call you back and say, oh, actually, we're not going to invest. You know, do you think there's enough support for, for, for people like, like yourself? Um, most likely not. I mean, if there's not really enough support for the general public, um, so I can't really see how things would be any better or different for founders and entrepreneurs, um, especially when they're balancing so much. I mean, I do think that Things have changed in the fact that founders and entrepreneurs 
feel maybe a little bit more empowered to talk about it, a little bit more empowered to take more control and to not feel as though that they have to work 24 hours a day in order to be successful or be taken seriously. Um, but I think when it comes to you, know, the actual real support, especially in terms of seeing a counselor or getting some sort of psychotherapy or, you know, having a therapist, that maybe that's still lacking. Um, and I would like to see more groups um, and networks that are created simply for founders and entrepreneurs to talk about uh, the, the personal battles and the confidence battles that happen as you create and, and drive your business forward. That, that sounds like a, that sounds like it could potentially be another business, Lizzie, a, a, <laughs> yeah. a, 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 a sort of mental health and wellbeing community for startups and, and, and founders. That sounds like a great idea. Oh yeah. I, I think it's something that's definitely needed. Okay, great. Well, I think that's a great place to end Lizzie and, you know, lots of things for people to think about um, who might be listening to this and, and, and reflect on. So yeah, thanks so much for, for taking the time to speak to me. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Yeah, all the best and take care. So there you go, Lizzie Hodcroft. Uh, really interesting to hear from Lizzie there. Uh, and important as well to highlight that while campaigns like World Mental Health Day are great for raising awareness um, and, and enabling businesses to take a look internally at what they're doing to support their staff, there's still clearly a lot more that needs to be done and that these days should really just be the start of the conversation. Uh, Lots to pick out from this conversation. I really love how Lizzie intertwines her kind of business journey with her personal development journey. And perhaps there's something that we can all learn from that. You know, Lizzie said, when you're starting your own business, it's important to fight for what you believe in and take any opportunities that come along because if you come through those experiences, you'll increase your self-worth and your self-confidence in the process. Another thing that was highlighted was the importance of being able to take a step back actually and carve out a little bit more balance in your life, something I'm sure we all struggle with. The pandemic provided the opportunity for Lizzie to do that, but for others who might need some more balance, she recommends setting out clear boundaries and sticking to them. Uh, You know, we're all going to be faced with setbacks, but when we are, it's about reaffirming those boundaries and finding a way to continue to move forward. So huge thanks to Lizzie for coming on the podcast and also for supporting UMI's Go Further Investment Index, which is all about celebrating businesses in the north of England and Scotland who are raising investment and building partnerships to achieve their aspirations. To find out more about that campaign, you can go to www.gofurtherindex.co.uk. So thanks very much for listening and take care.